With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, you guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Temple of Hoop. I am your co-host, Coach Mables, a.k.a. Mables. I'm here, as always, with my bro, Kingsburg. What's going on, Kings? You know, the usual, the weekly, living good, feeling good. You know how it is. Y'all see, I don't see, but he got that fresh cut, so, you know, (laughs) he must have got got that vaccine. Uh, (laughs) uh, We have a special guest this week. One of the uh, you know one of the higher ups in Laker Twitter got that genie bus genie bus follow you know you feel me the, the price of the brick went up as they say we got Vinay aka V Killum Vinay what's going on with you man I'm doing good fellas I'm very honored and privileged to be on Temple of Hoop with you guys uh, season starting back up again and I'm just waiting to see see how everybody makes that if we're healthy we get any trades see what happens. Yeah, we're overdue. It's like we had to get the group chat finally on the pod. Finally, it was like we're we're, we're kind of overdue. So it's good to have you, man. Um, obviously, Vinay he watches you know a lot of ball, but he is you know of course special specialized with the Lakers. So that's where we will begin this week. Uh, the Lakers start now three back. Uh, they have number one defense. Anthony Davis is going to be reevaluated in two weeks for his uh, calf issue. Um, Vinay, just what are your impressions right now of the, of the team in general? Just what the strong spots where they need to improve. And just uh, you know, start start us out there. Yeah, I, I think overall the theme of this this team, and maybe for more than just the Lakers, for like teams like the Heat, the Nuggets, and all of them, is just staying healthy. Like yeah. every every game we're having mm-hmm. a different. I make a joke every single time that every game we have a different guy get hit in the face right. and ends up getting pulled out of the game. And then you know we just saw Caruso miss a game because of his neck and then get a mild concussion the, the very last game. So yeah, so um, it, it's just making it out healthy. Obviously, AD is the biggest, big, most important thing. We're not trying to lose him for this season. Something worse happens, then we lose him for multiple seasons. You know, you know, with what happened with Clay, what happened with Katie. Yeah. So the health is the most important thing. I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of impressed that the defense has actually held up the way that it has. Like I knew they would be a good defensive team, but the fact that we've lost AD, we've lost Caruso for a couple games. Like Braun has stepped it up also defensively and stuff like that to some degree, and like it, it's, it's just good overall to see how good this team's defense is, and it's just. When you have a, t- a defense like theirs is, it increases your margin of error. So I, I think yeah. I saw that stat. I think Kings, you shared that stat, or somebody did. Mm-hmm. John Schumann, where like 
uh, the Lakers' record in games where they go down by ten or more points is like ten and nine. They're like the only, only team, team only team above above five hundred. Yeah, yeah, and that that's yeah. that's ridiculous, right? Because you you spot another team ten points at any point in the game, you're like, you know, it's an uphill battle no matter what. Yeah. So, I think the defense is good. I think the shooting has been, you know, <laughs> that's my issue. <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what it is, man. Like I you know I know people have been saying, oh, we got to trade for shooters, and I know Kings you've been saying that too. I don't know what it is, man. People come to Staples Center and their shooting just dies when they put on a Lakers jersey. So I, I don't even know what's going to happen. But that that needs to improve. Like, I, I feel like th- just this last game, the Pacers game, we were shooting like shooting like crap the whole game. And then Kuzma gets hot in the fourth, and all of a sudden we win the game. Like, I, I'd like to see some games where, where we get it together, but it, it's hard to tell when you're, if you're not in the locker room. So I think right. the defense has been great. It was great last season. It's great in a different type of way. They're not that yeah, big they, bruising they, team yeah, that they were yeah. last year, but th- they're still just as good. The schemes are they're all fast good and, and athletic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, go ahead, Kings. Take it away. What do you what, what do you see right now from the Lakers? Yeah, I mean, I was picking up uh, off of what Vinay was saying. The defense is not the same, but it's a uh, it's it's different. But I think it's better in that it's better suited for this season. Uh, faster, uh, more switch oriented perimeter defense is what you're going to need when you play teams like the Jazz, the Nets. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So it's going to be a lot better in the playoffs. I think with the shooters, I think it's two combinations. I think one is because they're so committed to driving people off the three-point line and playing great defense. A lot of legs are tired, mm-hmm. so they're huh. getting used to playing great defense and shooting. Um, you're starting to see it, though. That that style of play, them being used to it now, I think is going to help them if they get their rhythm with it. I think it's going to help them in the playoffs because they're not going to have to adapt uh, what you're seeing is from a lot of teams is that they're not playing that hard, rotating and, and switching. So you know their three ball was hot. But I think if you started to see this first game after the All Star break, when teams was kind of trying to lock in, trying to get those uh, you know reps in, you know the Jazz shot bad. If you mm-hmm. saw the Nets, they played great defense, but they weren't shooting good. You know Kyrie Harden had an awful shooting night from three. Uh, it's gonna be hard when teams ramp up their defense, ramp up their energy to get to the playoffs. All those threes you saw fall in the first half, like I told everybody every year, I tell them every single year, they don't fall because you have to play defense, you have to play physical, your legs are shot, you're not going to be shooting yeah. 50% no more. That just doesn't happen when you're actually competing on defense. And then the second thing for the Lakers, somebody pointed this out, the, the shooters are not shooting enough. Uh, Wes Matthews last year shot 5.7 threes per, uh, per game. The year before, 4.4. This year he's shooting three. KCP, when he was hot from three, was shooting over five a game. The This terrible stretch that he's had, he's shooting 3.8 a game or 3.5 per game at 28%. So they're not no getting rhythm. into rhythm. No rhythm. They're not yeah. getting into rhythm at all. They need, and, that's all, and that's where it's scheme. You know, mm-hmm. I can, I, we can blame people. We can blame them for missing their open threes. That's their fault, yes. But them not getting enough threes, that's on the coaching staff to say, look, you know, we need to get these guys shots. Also, I I'll put I won't put it on the coaching staff. I'm gonna put it on the shooters too because there's so many times in the game where West or Casey has an open three that they should take and they're passing it up. They don't take it. Yep, yep. <laughs> trying to get the extra pass type of thing. It's like, bro, shoot the shot, bro. Like, get yourself let, in let, rhythm. Let me, back into rhythm. We need you to get into rhythm. Let, let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Um, what, this is a thought that I've had that I think is starting to become an issue now, which may get corrected after the trade deadline. Do you think the Lakers got too many players that, that need minutes to, to get into a rhythm? Like, I, I'm, I'm, I'm actually, I've, I've seen Kings allude to that about guys winning minutes. Um, 
I don't know. These guys are professionals to me. So yeah. that, that's that's kind of how I see these guys are veterans, especially guys like Keith who understand that that stuff kind of ebbs and flows throughout the season. Yeah. Um, but they, it could be an issue. I don't know. Um, maybe it's the, the trade deadline. I don't know. We, we don't know what's I mean, coming. Yeah, down the road. Look, you could. Like, yeah, you you could be right. So the exact you. So you mentioned Keith, right? Like, so Keith yeah. didn't look good, and his minutes were up and down. Right. And then after after AD goes down. Like, these last, like, maybe five, six games, his minutes have been up. Like, he's starting yeah. in some of these games. And now, all of a sudden, he's got a rhythm and stuff like that. And then and then I think about it, and I think about, like, a guy like Wes. Like, Wes is a good player. He's a good defender, high activity, he's all that sort of stuff. But it's just, like, if he's only getting 20 minutes, and this is a guy that's used to getting 30 minutes or 32 minutes a game yeah. and stuff like that, does that mess with their shooting rhythm? And, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know, because not everybody – everybody thinks that, like, Three and D guys are Clay Thompson, right? Like you could just come in fifteen mm. minutes, he'll put a twenty, and then he'll, he'll sit down, right? right? It doesn't work that way, and and I wonder right. if that's affecting some of these guys. That's my that's my you know theory. I think, I but I bet I, I probably guess that it's a combination of all the things that we just mentioned. You know, these guys aren't robots; yeah. they are human. Yeah. They have you know uh, biorhythms that you know custom with this X amount of minutes, or I come with the game is just like you know at X point of the game, right? I'm used to this, so that that could be a factor. Kings, go ahead. Yeah, I would like to see. I mean, Caruso out with the concussion protocol. Caruso is always going to be impactful in whatever minutes he plays. Mm-hmm. So that's his minutes with Caruso is never a problem. So I like to see Wes and Caruso's absence now try to you know build a type of rhythm because he's going to have to play him in THT. So I'd like to see one THT work through his defensive lapses and yeah. try to get better on that end so he can actually be playable in the playoff series. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see West, you know, find his rhythm on offense now that he has to do more because Caruso's not there. Because one of the things Caruso was getting better at was he was getting better at finishing attacking and yeah. applying wind pressure. And yeah, straight know, line driving. Yeah, straight line driving. He was getting good at that, yeah. Getting to there and finding dump that, dump offs to the bigs. You know, he was playing better in the figure. So Caruso was actually improving a little bit before this injury. Gasol was also improving his threes before the, you know, he had the pr- protocol. So, I like to see Wes pick it up there. The guy I'm really disappointed in though is KCP. Uh, one because we, <laughs> you know, we, we have seen the tweets. <laughs> we're paying you, bro. Like we're paying you like millions of dollars, man. Like over twelve million a year. Like come on, man. You, it's, and it's not even like he's not getting mid the minutes to get into rhythm either. He's like, you have, you're a star. You have all the minutes to get into rhythm, bro. Like like he, as the guys who pass up the most threes. He's the most frustrating to you guys because, bro, we literally paying you to do that. Yeah. yeah. And what, what, and what I'm the, – the name you brought that I'm really interested to see if they can work through their defense. THT was great because I think offensively his off-the-dribble stuff, mm-hmm. it adds another element that otherwise isn't there without Brian and Dennis. So yeah. I think that's just another threat you have to worry about getting to the rim or working out a pick-and-roll or beating a guy out of isolation. So if he could become at least a, a – just not a negative. Just mm-hmm. come break even on, on the defensive end in the, yeah. in the playoff situation. He can make the Lakers like that much better because it's a more offensive, just explosiveness, right? More, more dynamic guy. After most dynamic guy to be off the dribble after LeBron and Dennis, of course, right? And he's, yeah. a, he's a rim pressure, uh, right? Rim exactly, pressure. rim pressure. Yeah. And, and down the line, you need all the rim pressure you can get when you're going to get to the finals, right? If you're assuming you're going to see, you know, the three headed monster in Brooklyn. You need all the rim pressure you can get because that's their weakness right now. They can't, they can't stop. Right. Yeah, I would say like exactly. even with THC, his his issues aren't glaring issues. It's just sometimes he just ball watches too much. Right, it's something same. that yep. Yep. you yep. expect yep. a young guy to do. Like he gets sucked yep. in when somebody runs that hammer, act, the baseline over action help. stuff. He'll he'll overhelp. Yeah, exactly. And then they kick it right to his guys. So yeah, he's, it, he's it, decent enough on ball. 
Oh, he, yeah. has, he has nice, quick, nice, quick, long, long arms, quick, quick yeah. swipe ability. So yeah. it's just more the more so the off ball stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I'm, I'm with you there. Um, <laughs> this is funny how we have Vinayo moving on. The it, it seems that the a very trending topic with with the Lakers is uh, the Gasol thing. Yes. Um, I tend to follow the data in my eyes that shows he's actually a, a good player for the Lakers. Yes. But a lot of people, because he's not super flashy and not swatting shots into the stands yes. and making the best of like the splash plays, uh, there's a consensus that he's not not that good. And it just is one of those things that has been mind boggling for me about that. People can watch Laker games and think Gasol is like has been like I've seen like he's trash and needs to be replaced by a yeah. Andre Drummond. It's like that. I was like. Are we watching the same Lakers games? <laughs> I was like, I'm watching the, the, the things he adds. A, Kings just alluded to it. The shooting, the, the shooting from three point has, has definitely seen an uptick. For me, it's the passing. Mm-hmm. First out of the post or out of the top of the key, he gets guys so many easy layups or shots because he's able to see the pass, you know, a click or two before things happen and it opens up the floor for everybody. So, what, where are you guys with this Gasol thing at this point? Where do you think that sentiment that he's not good is, is coming from? So I, I think it's I think it's a combination. So I'll, I'll give you the example to Javale, uh, uh, just a quick adja- analogy to Javale and Dwight, right? Like Dwight has a reputation as as like the deep defensive player of the year, a physical bruising guy and stuff like right. that, right? So so guys wouldn't challenge Dwight directly, like because they knew that he he, he you collide, he block you, that sort of thing. But when teams would try, when Javale was on the floor, even though they were both really good shot blockers, people would attack Javale because they would think. I don't know if it was JaVale's reputation or his frame because he's a longer, kind of goofier guy, to lack of better words. So they would still attack him. JaVale would still block all their shots and stuff like that. I think you take those two things and and you take a look at a guy like Mark. I think people look at Mark, and when they see guys drive on Mark, they think that, oh, because guys keep trying to drive on Gasol, he's not a good rim defender, right? And and Gasol Mm -hmm. is not an athlete in the same sense that Dwight is. But he's a technically sound yes. rim defender. Yes. And that's yes. the thing that, that folks have to understand, that when it comes to basketball, when we say that there's skill, like the Kyries and stuff on the offensive end, and then you get the athletes like uh, like the Zions and stuff like that, right. who not as skilled but much more rely on athleticism, it applies to defense too as well. You, got, mm-hmm. you have defenders that are athletes who use their athleticism to, to do it, and then you have technically skilled guys. And, Thank you. And that is the skill. Defense yeah, is a skill, y'all. I've been saying that for years, man. Talk yeah. to him. And, and Gasol and Gasol is a technically skilled guy, so he doesn't block you at the top of your shot. He'll 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 take it away from you on the way up. And and a lot of his blocks are like that. He 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 times the the layup path, like you know, like the, the the trajectory of your layup as it's leaving your hand, and that's how he gets them. And he's got quick hands, bro. Like he the, that defensive player of the year that he got over Braun or whatever. He's a good like he knows what he's seeing, and and I think. Uh, I think Kings has said this before in a group chat. People love the aesthetics of basketball on, on Twitter. So when the aesthetics don't look the same way, when it's not like a guy like Dwight jumping 10 feet in the air and right. swatting it into the right. stands, they don't believe the impact is the same. But it's exactly the same. You can see it in the data. And if you're watching like again, you should be able to see that too as well. And I'm just the, like the points in the paint allowed, it's not, it's not, it's like a one point up from last year or something. There's not even a, a big issue. Yeah. Yes, I was saying. Kings, go ahead. Yeah, man, it's just a lot of ignorance, man, like a lot of ignorance. You know, people are saying a whole bunch of stuff. You know, we provide the data, we provide the film, we provide the context, and they'll tell us we don't know basketball, but they're literally saying stuff that's completely wrong. 
Like you're literally completely wrong. If you look at the data, you look at the analytics, you look at the film. How is Marcus all bad getting the minutes he has and we're the number one defense in the NBA? That makes zero sense. We're not even the number one defense in the NBA. We're the number one by far. Yeah. Yeah. By far, we are the number one defense in the NBA if you look at defense rating. We have the same defense rating this year where the offenses are way better. We yeah, have the same true. defense rating this year as last year. Yeah. And the Very offenses true. are way better this year. And AD hasn't even played – AD has missed 33% of the year. AD has not even played to his standards when he was there. And we still have the same type of high-impact defense as, as last year with better right. offenses. And, and the, the crazy thing that kills me, these people who bag on Gasol, I never see these people give Dennis Schroeder the props that he deserves for the type of defense he's playing. He's putting on first-team all-defense. Yeah, I would agree with that. Every single night. I never see these people talk about Dennis Schroeder. I never see these people talk about LeBron as the defensive player of the year candidate that he should be because he's anchoring this top defensive unit 99 out, even without 80. I never see them talk about that. These people talk about our defense as if it's a problem. How is the number one defense by far in the league a problem? <laughs> and what do you have to say about everyone else? Why are you talking so bad about our defense? Who is better? Who is better? I hope everybody who's listening understands how passionate Kings is about defense when it comes to, it, yeah. when it comes to basketball. I'm just I'm, – I'm very upset. This doesn't make sense to me. Like, people are not talking with sense anymore. If our defense is a problem, who is better? Who that's is the defense true. we should that's be getting? And that's why I'm, I'm, I'm leaning this uh, – not to uh, overconfident, but I'm, I'm very comfortable where the Lakers are given the, yeah. the, the, the games missed and where they are in the standings. Even after that rough stretch where you were just kind of hanging on, because I, I think me and Kings both called it when when Dennis sat, it was going to be rough anyway. Oh yeah, because LeBron oh, yeah. had to do yeah. everything, so th- that his his energy was zapped. You can see so, but now that Dennis, now that Dennis is back, yeah, you see LeBron, especially on defensively. Now that he's not carrying such load offensively, he's all over the place. I think I don't think there's been a better weak side defender than LeBron this year in the NBA. Just Playing he, passive he lanes. leaves all defensive analytics, Maples. Look right. Defensive blow, defensive blow, like blow, just blow, blowing up a set, somebody runs. I don't think anybody yeah. does better than, than LeBron at that this year. I, I would say, like, the, the the game where I thought I saw I saw that really pronounced was um, was that Warriors game, the second Warriors yes. game uh, yes. in yes. that building. And the Warriors were running some uh, – I, I don't know if – I'm not a coach, so I don't know if it's exotic or not. But the word I use is exotic – they use um, Steph in a way that creates so much confusion for the defense that, like, Kelly Oubre was getting, like, wide-open dunks and layups, and, and Wiggins was, was doing well. They were basically eating off of all the attention, obviously, the gravity right. or whatever, that, that Steph attracts. And then that second half, Braun was like, okay, we're not doing this anymore. And then that's when you saw him start blowing up a lot of the passes that Draymond was trying to throw um, to, to, like, on, on the back from the weak side and stuff like that to Oubre and stuff like that. He's Braun is on a different level uh, when when he gets to play free safety and stuff like that. Right, and um, it's moving in slow motion for him. Yeah, it's just you know, and you could tell. I'd, I'd say compared to last season, it was a little hard for me to tell, but this season for sure I could tell. He's he's trying to pace himself. You know, he's right. not trying to trying to go balls to the wall to win some of these games, and I, it's fine. Like th- that Indiana game is a perfect example. Malcolm Brogdon's trying to play him like it's like it's game seven of the of the finals, <laughs> yeah. and so somebody's got to step up. And I was glad to see like Schroeder and Trez went to that pick and roll action at the end of the game to to get a couple of buckets. That's the kind of stuff that we need. Like yeah. we can't just ask Braun to win these kind of games every single time. Um, you know, like Detroit and OKC. It's just it's it, it's a regular season game, man. We need these guys to step up too. Right. And speaking and speaking one more point. Uh, uh, 
And then I want to go back to what you were saying about our rim protection, uh, defensive numbers. Um, one of the things I want to say, because everybody talked about we're 20 something in points given up. Like I asked these people, okay, you're looking at the raw points we give up, mm-hmm. but look at the efficiency. What's our efficiency? Yeah. Like what, what's the field goal percent allowed at the rim? We're in the top five. Yeah. In, in the defense, in defense, in, in terms of defending the rim, as in terms of efficiency, yeah, they're driving, but they're not scoring at a high a high rate. Yeah, people yeah. use raw raw per, raw per game in uh, two thousand twenty one. It's but it's it's not only okay. So the data says something, right? The data lets you know what the end result right. of it is. But what is the logic behind it? The Lakers There's are running you off the three point line. Like exactly. we're not giving you threes. You have to take exactly. layups. Exactly. That's why our defense is the number one defense in the NBA. We're not giving teams what they want to do in right. 2021. Hello, y'all. In 2021, NBA teams like to shoot threes. So in 2021, to be an elite defense, you have to run people off the three-point yes. line. If you give up points in the paint, that is fine. As long as it's not efficient, it doesn't matter. If you have to go to the paint 70 times and you... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When we make like 30, 30 of the out of the seventy, you didn't do a good job. Right, <laughs> that's a pain. You didn't do a good job. Well, I'll, I'll end. I'll end my at least my last point on on this Lakers defense thing is this: uh, we've joked about fans eventually being allowed back into the arenas and stuff like that by the time the playoffs come around. If all these shooting percentages, these fifty, forty, ninety guys that are shooting right now, if their percentages start coming down because there's fans in the building and they got to go to the rim, I think the Lakers are going to be in pretty good position to uh, to, to capitalize on all that sort of stuff. Right. I mean, we're already seeing the, the percentages go down just off these few games, you know, yeah. outside the All-Star break because it's time to ramp up. So, yeah. you know what I'm saying? So we'll see more of that going forward. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of today's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Last thing on this on this year's Lakers before we get on to the, you know, the spicy stuff. Um what do you guys just real quick? We talked about this in depth. Just real quick, what are you guys looking for in the buyout slash trade market? I, I'm, I'm really I'm I was kind of against the trade because you kind of might end up losing something to gain something. You end up weaker in, in a different area. Like if you trade, you know, some of the front line depth for a shooter. Now you're third on the front line, right? So I'm looking for more of a, of a buyout scenario. But where are you guys looking to up? Where are you guys looking to upgrade if possible? Um, I, I'd say probably. So I know we added Damian Jones. I think I think the lob threat is important just because there may be teams that that if okay. So for example, if the Nets if we run against the Nets, the Nets we know we're going to switch everything, right? So the pick and pop action is not really going to work because Gasol is going to be standing out at the three point line the entire time. They'll just switch it and and dare Gasol to try and score in one on one from from the perimeter. So having a lob threat is a little bit helpful because we you know just somebody who can 
uh, take advantage of small guys and stuff like that. Um, so if we could find somebody maybe better than Damian Jones, that would, I'd be cool with that. I don't know if that's Andre Drummond. I don't know if that's somebody else that, right. that we don't expect, you know, a Hassan Whiteside or something like that. Um, so if we could get something like that on a buyout, I think it'd be great. I'm actually kind of against the idea because I think AD is going to eat up a lot of those minutes if he comes back fully healthy. Uh, yeah. The five, I'm, I'm actually more towards the idea that, like, we have to get some consistent shooting. Like, That's right. Like, <laughs> like the, case, the KCP thing is, like, it's actually worrying me now because, like, mm-hmm. last season it was good, but it's like, like I, I put myself in Rob's shoes, right? Okay, so if I look at last season, Lakers were kind of up and down. There was a long stretch where they were not a good three-point shooting team. That was the main talking point that people were saying going to the playoffs. This team can't make threes. That means they're not going to win a championship, at least the wide-open ones. And the Lakers, obviously, they made their shots. If you're Rob, are you going to risk that switch getting flipped again if it doesn't improve? Or if there's a, if there's a deal on the table, if there's a guy like, I don't know, Buddy Heald that's available in Sacramento – uh, that, you know, you can make a move for. Can you move KCP and possibly bring a guy like that on? Right. Um, if, if if Houston's desperate to get anything in return for Oladipo, can you go and grab a guy like him um, in, in return and stuff like that? Because, you know, assuming he wants to extend and stuff like that. So it's like right. finding that other guy, because Schroeder clearly, when Braun is on the floor, Schroeder's just going to play his all-defensive defense. He's going to facilitate, facilitate and play D. But we need to have somebody who can score, at least until AD comes back. Um, and, and so it's, it, that's my, that's kind of where I'm at. Um, if we make a trade, I would like it to be something for somebody a little bit more splashy, somebody who likes to, who, who's like a volume scorer and stuff like that. Cause I think, I think the Lakers have a roster that's perfect around volume scores. Yeah. Uh, they don't have, we're not the Clippers. We don't got a bunch of guys who could put up 25 a night. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just it's substituting in for each other, but we got a bunch of guys who can make that 25 point score like score 50 because we're playing all this defense and setting up right, exactly. yeah, shots yeah. and stuff like that. So that's that's the direction I would go in. Either a buyout center, like a vertical lob threat, uh, you know, and, and rim defender, or like a dynamic score. And, um, yeah, that, that that's really it uh, that, that I can think of. Yeah, yeah, I'm on the logic of, you know, buyout. The buyout, I want the lob threat just for depth reasons, yeah. really. Keep AD fresh. I'm not – I don't think that – center is going to play against a team like the Nets because defensively you have to be able to switch against the Nets and they're not going to be able to. So they're probably not going to get any playing time outside of AD. You know, my playoff bigs right now is AD, Keith, because Keith is switchable big who can hit threes, space the floor, and uh, Trez. Uh, Trez is better as a switch big. You, you know, even though Vogel doesn't like to trust him, but as you can see, you can <laughs> I, I see you complain about this. <laughs> yeah, if you can trust, if you trust Trez, you know he's he's athletic enough to, to to make people have to work. He needs to be able to trust him more and get off his phobia of undersized bigs. But um, you know, I just don't see playing much PT for that big that comes when it yeah. actually matters. Because uh, you know, I know some people don't understand basketball in 2021, but you know, you you want to use one big in the playoffs. You don't want to, like, you know, Anthony Davis is going to play the center in the playoffs. I don't know why anybody would think that's not going to happen. That's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Probably 30-plus minutes a night when it matters. So, look, that's going to happen. He's, he's, going, so, he's going to play. Like, I, I need a Laker friend. I mean, this is my opinion, obviously. And, you know, like – any any situations, if they run into the Nets, if they run into the Clippers, Anthony Davis the is Jazz, going to play a majority of yeah. He's going to play a majority of his minutes at the five. He's not going to be playing at the four. Maybe at the start of games, but then 
it's it's just not going to happen. Yeah, it's not, and that's and that's so that's my one thing. I want that for death. But my main thing, my main thing, and this is my main thing. We need a shooter, bro. Like just that's a fair. Man, yeah, that's I what I think. He doesn't even have to play defense, bro. <laughs> At that point, we're so good defensively. That dude doesn't even have to play defense. Just be able to go five out of twelve when you're when you're open, bro. That's all. I'm, that's all I'm asking for. I don't need you to run dudes off. We will protect you. We will protect you. Protect you. Just hit five for twelve so that you can let LeBron have breathing room and he can have somebody to look for when he's getting. Three dudes collapse on it. Please, just need that guy. Like, I thought, you know, I was originally, I was like, you know, let's trade Trez because I don't think Vogel's going to trust him. So if Vogel's not going to trust him, let's not waste the roster spot. But right. it looks like Vogel's buying into Trez. I, I don't know if the Kings game gave him some nice ideas in terms of offensively, but it looks like he's buying into Trez's pick and roll ability. Yep, yep, yep. We saw last game. So. I think the Kings game might have opened his eyes a little bit. It looks like he's trusting Trez a lot more now, and he wants to make that work. So that looks good. So if he's doing that, fine. Like I said, if he's if Vogel's going to use Trez, keep him. I, I don't want to trade him. I was only going to trade him if Vogel wasn't going to play him. That was my only thing. But if Vogel's going to play him, keep him. So what do I need? I need a shooter now. I need I need, I need a guy who can hit. You know what I'm saying? Like when they say, if we're going to trade, do the splash route. Get the guy who has the – all-star type talent, Buddy Hill or Oladipo. I'm not trying to trade for no scrubs no more. Like you know what I'm saying? Because we're not gonna get. It's clear we're competing with with you know the hottest GM of the year and Kevin Durant. The next he has all the money, <laughs> all the connections. Like you're not gonna win the buyout battle, so you can't just make any type of trades you want to make. You gotta make sure you hit the trades at this point. So for me, buyout big for depth and shooting, pure shooting, man. Whoever whoever can hit because. Look, the Nets have all the shooting, but they can't get every shooter. <laughs> you know what I mean? They can't play all gotta, of them, so we'll be able to sign one, man. Y'all got to see King. King's screen is shaking right now. He's so passionate about what the Lakers need. The screen, the screen is shaking right man, now. Man, <laughs> but, but, man, man, right. bro, we we need it. We need the shooting, bro. That's that's all I can say. Somebody got to hit. Uh, all right. Someone got to hit. So let, let let let's let let let's talk some some NBA history right now. You know, we we we're, we're all. All three of us, pretty much, we we will dabble in some NBA history. So, um, there was an interesting conversation. It's come up a couple times, but we never really addressed it on on the show, Kings. So, this thing about where AD, you know, his historical, you know, trajectory or where he stands now. Um, I'm more of he's on the way there. There are a lot of people who want to put him in places now that I think is kind of maybe. Premature, I'm not gonna, premature slash disrespectful. No, that, it's the right word. You're using yeah. the right word. It's premature. <laughs> it's the right word. Because right I saw like uh, I saw somebody. You know, a couple people were, were co-signing. Is like you know, only thing in his way is you know Tim Duncan, and I'm like, ooh. I was like, this is a guy named Garnett. There's Dirk. There's a guy we don't say his name from Utah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like the power Chuck. forward position ain't ain't no ain't the Chuck. That's what I'm saying. Like, I actually went to like a like. Someone tweeted that that's the most least accomplished position in the. Yeah, that's what I was like. Are what? you sure? Like, I, I, I spent the good. Are you sure? Yeah, I had some like I had some downtime. I spent a good like 45 minutes in the rabbit hole just looking at some of these guys' numbers and the durability. Mm-hmm. It's like Kevin McHale. Kevin McHale was a boy. That's what I'm saying. It's like it's mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a, and I think I think and I've said this more. It's the difference with like the talent with AD is is right there, if not above. A lot right. of those guys. So I'm talking about the actual 
okay, I'm in here. I'm playing 75, 80 games a year. Carrying us, you know, we're a contender at least. And I think, you know, that's probably where Dirk is probably overlooked the most mm-hmm. because the reason he doesn't have only two finals appearances is because he kept dunk, running into Duncan or, or Kobe or somebody every year, right? So it's kind of like overlooked when you look at his context. So just going back to AD, where are you with him kind of historically right now, just his where he sits now, where his trajectory is? You, you want to go first, Kings? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'll, I'll leave this one off. I think with AD, people got to understand, man. And I think that's just the type of type of the type of place we're at, just with sports talk. People look at talent and they just automatically want to put people above people because of the talent. Well, he's more talented, so he's supposed to be better. But that's not how it works, you know. And I want to use a parallel. We talk about NFL QBs, for example. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes. Those guys are more talented than Brady, more talented than Manny. Now I'm saying more talented than Joe Montana. But like we said, it's, it's impact. Yes. You have a thing called impact. The, intang- the intangibles matter, bro. Like, are you able to consistently take the reads you need to get? You know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I'm saying? Can you take what you're supposed to get on a consistent basis, maximize that, and then, we, you know what I'm saying, then hit on the on, on – the, big opportunities that you have, can you hit enough on that consistently? Because sometimes what talented guys like to do, because they feel like they're more talented than everybody else, they like to slack off. They like to, you know, overlook the little things. And then when they, they build bad habits, and when they start to overlook those things, those bad habits start to creep up, or next thing you know, those little things are biting them in the butt. If you look at AD, one of the things he's having issues with is motor. You know, he likes to slack off a lot. Well, if you start slacking off, Next thing you know, you know those posts, those face ups you like to to shoot. Well, now the defenders in your face because you're not working hard enough to to body them up and get them off you. You know what I'm saying? You're not, you know, on defense, for example, if you're you know slacking off on on, on your like uh you know your help side defense, now all of a sudden you're meeting that driving uh driving uh, offensive player. You know, you're meeting him later at the rim instead of earlier because you're not paying attentive. You know, these type of small things that people don't think, don't like to look at, that stuff matters. And impact, high impact guys are always doing those things correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what people have to understand. So that's what Tim Duncan did. That's what mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett did. That's what Dirk Nowitzki did offensively. You know what I'm saying? That's what Chuck did offensively. That's what Malone was doing offensively. High motor every single night. Every single night, they were doing it every single night. They didn't let the attention to detail get past them because they were trying to maximize their opportunity. They knew they had to because of the competition they was up against. Right. You know, Malone was up against Hakeem and uh, uh, MJ. KG and Dirk was against Shaq, Kobe, and Duncan. Right. Duncan was against Kobe. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and Shaq. So they had to maximize what they were doing so they could be ready when the money time came. And I think what rubs a lot, rubs a lot, of, a lot of people the wrong way with AD, they know he's talented. We see in the playoffs when he gets busy, he can dominate and eat statistically. But they feel with him coming to LeBron, he doesn't have to worry about those small things because now LeBron gets to do all that. Uh, like he doesn't have to worry about making the read in the post because or I won't make the read in the post. I'll just pass it back up to LeBron. He'll get us a good quality shot. I don't have to worry about that. Things of that nature, you know what I'm saying, where – that number one guys have to like Tim Duncan was the number one guy when 
in game to the clutch time, he knew he was getting the ball and he was going to have to make a good read or he was going to have to score. Same thing with D- uh, Dirk Nowitzki. Same thing with uh, KG before he went to, to, you know, to Boston. So it's these type of things that people look at. It's like these are intangibles. These are studying the game, knowing the film, knowing where everybody's at. This is stuff that matters in the game that AD, let's be honest, has not perfected yet. He has not perfected that part of the game. We're always wondering where he's at sometimes in the regular season. That's always been a thing. He's so talented that he gets his numbers anyway. That's how he's always been. Yeah. Like, right. he's always been a high <laughs> right. guy who's always going to get 28 and 10 because he's just that skill as a big. But the reason why he never got to the, to the level he needs to get individually is because he never had that motor. And he always had a, some type of nagging injury that affected him physically that would cause him to just, make, you know, kind of take it easy in, in the regular season. And I don't know. I just For me, AD has to assert himself in the regular season. He needs to show him us that he is a guy you can lean on and that he will take you all the way from beginning to end. That's what people want to see. Can you take me to all the way, start of the regular season, to the title, to championship, because that's what the all-time grace is. Yeah, and to, 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 to be fair, before I get to you, but to be fair, I have seen a growth in a couple of those, like the reading out of the post and the playmaking, I have seen tiny steps of, of growth there from, from him. Absolutely. Yeah, and the thing about the dirt buddy, I'm with you. I saw him in the day. Before he came to the Lakers for that one year, Malone, or the guy we don't mention, excuse me, I'm going to have to bleep that out. <laughs> the guy we don't mention from Utah, he missed 10 games the first 17 years before he went to the Lakers. Yeah. Like that, that is nuts. If you think about it. he's playing 80 games, pretty much, you know, 80 games a year through plus playoffs all the way until, you know, he's in his late thirties. So like that, the durability factor, I definitely understood you there. Go ahead, Vinay. Yeah. You know, I was going to say that like <clears throat> this, this AD conversation. So, so the two guys that I keep seeing come up and it was a, first and foremost, uh, I did not participate in that conversation at all on either side of it because I was just like, I was like, look, man, we're on break right now. I don't know why we're discussing this. This was, I think it happened. The conversation happened the game the night before the Indiana game, and I was just like, hey, can we just not have a break for Lakers basketball for a few days? And these kind of topics. Anyways, um, the other guy that I've seen have this conversation, like this kind of conversation, is is Harden. Like, yeah. Ah, I've, yeah, I've noticed, I've noticed, and I, I think it's a generational thing. You know, and I think it's something that happens over time. We know that these kids, even the guys that are coming in, the Cade Cunninghams and, and the Mobleys and, and the Jalen Suggs, these kids are going to be more talented. They're going to be more skilled. They're going to be smarter. They'll have data. They'll have athleticism. They'll have new training techniques and regimen, everything. They're going to get better. That's just the mm-hmm. way the game goes. Every, every generation after us is going to be better. But I think what's happening also is, NBA, and I don't know if this is NBA Twitter thing, but like this instant gratification, it's like people don't want to wait for the process. So, Jason, yeah. I think you you said you said like it's premature. I think that's a perfect way to describe mm-hmm. it. Just just let him play. Like we know, if, if your argument is that AD is one of the most talented bigs that's ever played for the Lakers, all right, that's a good conversation because he can shoot, yeah. he can defend, he can play five yeah. different positions or defend five different positions, but. That's not the conversation that people keep bringing up. The conversation is where is he in in the hierarchy oh, of Laker bigs? Yeah, oh my and God. and you can't. And my my opinion is always like it's the same thing I've seen. I, I don't participate in the Harding conversations, but I've seen people say, "Well, Harding wins a chip. He's already above Dwayne Wade, right?" No, he isn't. <laughs> like in my opinion, he isn't because because he's a, he's an incredible scorer. 
and he's an incredible passer. And, uh, you know, I'm from L.A., so I don't like talking bad about the L.A. guys because I'm biased that way from California. But, like, he doesn't play defense. You can't not be committed to defense through that much of your career. I don't care what Dan Tony was telling you. Not be committed and then and then just leapfrog guys that took it seriously. Like, Wade yes. took that seriously. Kobe took yes. it. I mean, nobody's going to put him over Kobe. But there's so many players that took surprised. that. surprised. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, those kind of stuff seriously, and so I, I I think it's just a generational thing. I think people don't have the patience to wait to to let these guys become what they become. Just let them write their own stories. Yeah. Maybe he wins another championship this year. We can keep talking about how he's a great he's 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 in line with you know all these Laker bigs that have been incredible. The Wilts, the Kareems, the Shacks. We can start talking about stuff like that, but just. Just let it breathe, you know. Like let let <laughs> let him breathe, let him play. Let it's only his second season, and he, like you said, um, Kings. Like he hasn't been healthy. Like he even when he was playing the season, he didn't look good. Like he looked like he yeah. was a step behind everybody else. His condition, his conditioning was bad, and and that's just where I am with like those conversations. Like it's just you have to let these young guys play, and it's kind of enjoy. kind of enjoy the process, pretty much. Yeah, you, yeah. And, and I mean that, that that's what it was, right? Like before social media, before all the deep analytics that we had, you had to watch the games. You had no choice. Like you, you either watch Kevin Garnett struggle in Minnesota, and then we're happy for him when he eventually won with the Celtics because you knew what his struggle was like, right? You watch AD play in New Orleans, you watch him struggle, so you're happy for him because you won for the Lakers. But that doesn't just mean like oh he was being held back for seven years. It's like no man, he's on a better team. He's playing with LeBron, but that doesn't mean he's like on the same level or you know on cream. And the last thing is also this: for some reason, NBA Twitter thinks everything's like a, like nothing can go bad. Like they think it's all just like a straight line, yeah. diagonally linear path. Yeah, linear. Like, yeah. Like he's just gonna keep adding more points and getting more awards and stuff like that. It, it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. Lakers may not win a championship this year. And what does that mean? Does that mean the 80s not the guy that we thought he was? No, man. Like, there's 29 other teams in the league. Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't win it every single year. And so, I'm I'm on I'm on the same boat um, as you, Jay. Like, it just people just need it's too premature, man. Just let yeah. these guys play, man. Like, it, it, he's not 36 or something like that. He's these are young guys. So just let, let them play and just enjoy. And, and for the record, I was not happy in 2008 when KG got that ring. I was the worst year <laughs> of life as a sports fan. I did not wear green for a year. I, when I say that is my low point as a Lakers fan in my tenure, the Pistons lost. That's one thing is it's the Pistons. But when you lose to the Celtics and then you got half the Bay Area showing up in bars and, and Celtic jerseys, <laughs> that is what stings. So I just want to let you know that 08 was not great. But, in, you know, down the line, I was like, okay, KG did that. But in the moment – no. Yeah, I don't. You, you were happy. You were happy for KG, the player, because everybody's now a player fan. Nobody knows how right, right. fans of teams anymore, right. apparently. But you're happy for KG, the the guy, the player. But you know, yeah. uh, I won't cuss about the yeah. Celtics. Right but that now. was just fun, man. I, I know you guys are you guys are both uh, a you're nuanced. B you guys know the history of the games. I just wanted to have that conversation before we moved on. That that, that yeah. was good stuff. Yeah. That was good stuff. I, I actually want to point out to what Vinay was saying about the hard hard point. I mean, it just speaks to the level of uh, you know, short-term attention span that people have. <laughs> I'm like, I have to tweet earlier today. I'm like, bro, y'all remember the Pistons locked up prime Kobe. They locked up prime Duncan, like literally locked him up. They were limiting Shaq. Do you guys understand that Dwayne Wade killed these guys every single time he played them? Like he almost, he went to game seven in 05 when they took Timmy to seven and locked them up. Dwayne Wade gave him the business. They would have won if he didn't get hurt. And then the next year, Wade beats him. And then he wins a chip as the guy. 
as the guy. He got y'all. He beat an all-time defense, y'all. That way beat an all-time defense. He dominated all-time defense. Then dominated, you know, Dirk Nowitzki in an all-time finals performance. Yes, Dwayne Wade did these things, people. Dwayne Wade did these things. You can't act like it didn't happen. And but like speaking to Renee's point, like you said, it's not linear. He did those things, but then what happened? He struggled. He yeah. went through a period that he wasn't good. He was he wasn't healthy. They were struggling to get to playoffs. Then LeBron comes. Then you have what you know what happened after that. But it still happened, man. Yeah. Just like everyone hates Rick Barry and he's MAGA, but with Rick Barry also dominates a shooting guard, y'all. These things happen. These things happen. He has two rings with the Warriors. He has. He's the all. I think he's the all-time leading scorer in the finals, right? For the minimum games qualified. Rick Barry's that is that you know these things matter, y'all. Like it matters. You can't. Because you like Harden's game and you love what he's done, averaging 37 and, and you know, all the, you know, the uh, the one-on-one ISO magic that he does and the pick-and-roll maestro abilities that he has. You can't just say that because you like him. He wins one ring as the third option on the Brooklyn Super Team. Now, all of a sudden, he's better than everybody else. That's just disrespectful to hoop history. That's disrespectful to the guys who put in the work and took their teams to the chip. Like, like, like these same people who want Steph Curry, who want guys to quote unquote carry teams to prove something, or who talk about how you know somebody like um, you know like somebody like uh, you know Bron needs to consider gets put on trial if you know he's not <laughs> taking a certain level of talent to to win a title. They now turn around and they say, well, James Harden has a chip, so he's automatically better than these other guys who win as the guy yeah, because he right. finally has a third put, option. Put on trials. Put, put on trials some of my best work. That was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that <laughs> Curry on trial. You're putting dudes on. LeBron. Every 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 game. Who? on trial. Come on, man. Like and then, but Harden gets to to get a nice little pass because he's on a great team now in his prime after failing as the number one guy. Now right. he now he's against to be an all time. Stop the stop the nonsense. Uh, get some like have some shame. Like, I want <laughs> some people in the to have some shame and stick to a principle, bro. Don't yeah. talk about guys needs to carry certain dudes one day and then the next day, well, this guy went to a super team and won, so he's automatically better than guys who actually won on their own. That just makes zero sense. Like, it just ruins who this Yeah, it, just, it, just, it was just like you was talking about. Just, you got to have some nuance to kind of evaluate every situation. Another thing is, how does he play if they make the finals, right? We still have to yeah. see how, how, how right. he play, right? So that's, that's just the nuance that we were talking about. But, yeah, it, it's all fun. And, like, and the fun thing about all this stuff, the answers all come in due time, right? Yes, the answers yeah. all that's the fun thing about the weather. What we say, the answers all come. Yes. So, moving on to back, back to today's uh, NBA. So, King's preseason pick for the Eastern Conference uh, representative for the finals was the Milwaukee Bucks. Started off kind of rocky. He hopped off. Um, they have been balling as of late. Only two and a half back of Philly, eight and two their last ten games. Um, in my opinion, it has been all season, but this last batch of games. Giannis is actually playing better than what he did last season, in my opinion, from what I've seen. And it's not just the sheer numbers, um, the footwork. You can tell mm-hmm. he's worked on something. He's crossed that up a little bit. I think, like, that stuff is going to really bode well for him in the playoffs. He's, like, working out of the post a little more, mm-hmm. um, attacking the basket, having some, like I said, just better footwork, a little more touch. It's more more finesse than all brute, you know, football yes. players than, than what we're used to. I think that's going to bode well for him in the playoffs. So, Kings, you've acknowledged it. What what are you seeing from the Bucks that's a little different, and what, what what's changed for them, and are they 
a serious threat. They have, you know, they have pieces that are, you know, they have quite, those pieces have question marks, but if you coach it properly, they can be good. Like, you know, DJ Augustine, he's very small, but he's quick. He can penetrate, get put pressure on the rim, and he's he's a he's a willing passer. That's somebody you need off the bench, so you're not relying on just Giannis all the time. You know, his size probably, you know, you don't play him in a playoffs important playoff series because he might be too small. Okay, but you still have you know Forbes, who's a good sized guard, who's a good scoring threat. Is his defense you know the best? No, but I mean, if he's coming off the bench against second units and you're staggering properly, you can play good enough team defense and he could be an effective scorer. You have White Dante, you know, who's a ass, great athlete. <laughs> I, I always thought what I did. He can jump. He can strap. He, he's the he's the white athletic – he's a white uber athlete archetype. Scrappy. Gym Scrappy. Rat. Gym rat. <laughs> but he's super athletic, and he's going to sit down. You know, if you watch the Nets and the uh, Bucks game when the Nets actually had their big three – Dante was playing very tough and tight defense, competitive defense against Harden, making Harden have to work for everything. That's the type of defense you have to do. I mean, if he cooks you, he cooks you. So what? If you're making the dude work, you're always going to keep be, you know, put your team in a position to win. That's what the Bucks had to have a yeah. position mm-hmm. to win. And then you have, obviously, Drew Holiday. We know what Drew's about in this league. His name speaks for itself. Chris Middleton is improving. He's not always consistent, but he's talented, 50-40-90 type talent. Long can compete on defense, and then my key pickup that I told guys I said this is gonna yeah, change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Portis, man, that's a tough guy. That's a tough cat. That's a dude who can switch, and that's a dude who's physical in the paint, and he can shoot threes. So he fits their system offensively, and he's tough and versatile defensively. You watch the Nets in the Bucks game. The Nets could have blew that game out multiple times, but Portis's inside presence. His battling for second chance buckets, his battling for second possessions, as well as switching and giving a, a, a you know a formidable presence inside, helped keep that game from getting out of hand. So Harden was just you know abusing Lopez, you know with that floater, you know just abusing his lack of mobility. And Portis was in there. You have to you know be a little more shifty because Portis is going to challenge you more up and close. He's also going to use his length as well to bother you. So it's not going to be as easy as, you know, going to Brook Lopez knowing he's going to stand where he is because he's a statue just throwing the easy floater over him. So Portis gives him way much more versatility for the playoffs that allows him to switch. One of the things the Bucks people are saying that the Bucks do more this year is switching. They're not used to switching. Yeah. So that's why you see a lot of their struggles early on. They're not used to that style, but you have to play that style to be able to win in the playoffs. Here's my issue with the Bucks, y'all. I do not trust Coach Bud. I don't. <laughs> I told somebody on Twitter, Coach Bud is the sole reason I would not bet on the Bucks at this moment over the Nets. I literally, in my heart, believe the Bucks would beat the Nets in the series. Roster-wise, I think the roster is capable enough of exploiting the Nets' one true weakness to the to the point where it would get out of hand in the series for the Nets, and they wouldn't be able to, you know, counteract it because of Giannis' constant pressure. Uh, it would just be out of hand, and they would, their whole defense would be out of, you know, out of uh, whack trying to stop that, and everybody would be open for the Bucks, and they'd be able to score with them. And it would just come down to who can execute. Yeah. I believe they can do that, but you have to be able to execute, and execute takes coaching. Coach Bud is not good at coaching. 
when it comes to adjustments, when it comes to doing the things that you need to do to win close games, y'all, the Bucks should have beat the Nets in that game. But you know what happened? You know what your coach Bud did, guys? He played Brook Lopez the whole fourth quarter. I think, yeah. And just, I think what Bud, what Bud does is it's kind of like very dockish because I'm going to establish this framework. Yes. We're going to play this way. And my response to adversity is not to change this framework, but we're going to do what we do better. Exactly. I don't think you can. I don't think you can win a championship that way because it's because Dan Tony's guilty of that. Um, Doc Rivers has been guilty of it. He just happened to have an all-time defense in 2008 where they, nobody could solve him that one year. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I think is going to get Bud in trouble because at some point mm-hmm. you were going. That's why I, I love Spo. I love Nurse. I love I love Vogel defensively. Yeah. If something's yes. not if something's not working, I'm going to tinker this. Yeah. And, I, I, just you don't see that from you don't see that from Bud or a couple other guys. But go ahead, Vinay, go ahead. Yeah, that that's I think that's literally I think everything um, King said I, I agree with very much. Um, I picked the Bucks before the Harden trade to win the East because I thought they had a lot to prove, so they have that chip that that you know the chip on the shoulder that the team needs. I am a big big fan of Drew Holiday and what he does in the half court defensively to teams. And, um, and and what he does to guys that are bigger than him, too, because he likes to defend guys that are bigger than him. So I thought that was a huge addition. I wasn't surprised that they were struggling because um, the one thing that I did notice was, and I, I think this is the word that you may want to use, Giannis's offensive variance. He's not doing straight line stuff, like right. straight line drives all the time now. Right. He's mixing it up. And that's something that he needs to do because – the straight line stuff. I mean, Spolstra saw and said, "All right, Bam, just stand in front of him, like and 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 we'll, we'll up, take wall it up." Yeah, exactly. And in him doing post up stuff, the hook shots, the occasional three, um, getting better at his free throws, that kind of stuff. Him having more variance as a player offensively is what's going to enable them to be successful. But the only way that's going to happen is if Bud plays him at center when teams are trying to do because it just doesn't make sense to have Brook on the floor. If you're not using his shooting, you know what I mean? Like, like what, what is the point of having a 3 and D center when you're not using him for defense because Giannis is already in the paint and you're not using him for threes because somebody else is, you know, you're attacking the rim or whatever it is. Right, right. And so that's my thing. Like, a guy like Portis can probably play in that spot instead. Or if you decide to go small with, like, Drew, uh, DiVincenzo, and, and Middleton as the 1-2-3 or something like that, like, you can do that also. There's there's so many different combinations they can do. But I, I remember, I think I, it was almost a year to, a year ago I came on this pod, and I remember I was talking to you, Jason. We were talking about if the Clippers match up with the Lakers, what would happen? And I said, I don't trust Doc Rivers. Yeah, Because he doesn't that. make any adjustments. Yeah, he just remember, does whatever he does more. And, and, that, same, and that same voice cadence. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Bud, Bud strikes me. D'Antoni strikes me as a coach that just does that. Whatever he does, he just tries to do it faster or, or tries to get smaller and – and get more shots up. So I mean, it's going to come out of the blood, pickups. man. You see it with the next pickups. What do they do? They double down on small ball. They got Blake Griffin. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Trying to target P.J. Tucker. They just – the Nets are going all in and yeah. what they do best because it's the philosophy of the coaching staff. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's what they believe in. So that's another question mark I have with the Nets, too. Are, when, if somebody – because we see the hurt heat are coming back. If somebody like Spo throws the kitchen sink at them, how do they adjust from a from a scheme perspective? Yeah. Are they going to just trust KD and Kyrie to say, hey, just go solve it and go beat them? Coach Bo's smart. He knows those guys are ISO gods. 
he's not gonna ice. He's not gonna play man on them. He's gonna throw an exotic zone. He's gonna throw an exotic set. Are the you know is is D'Antoni and Nash are they gonna be smart enough to solve that? That's that's another question I have for Nets. But like you said, these you know in the playoffs you have to be able to adjust and just guys who don't adjust always put their team in a worse position than they mm-hmm. should. Yeah, I'm just and then, and people said this that Eastern Conference playoffs. Somebody's going to catch the, the heat early, and it's going to be a, a lot of sweating going on. Cause that, that team is not going out easily. That team is uh, – Jimmy feels like he's finally shaking the, the, the worst parts of COVID, mm-hmm. and he looks uh, even better than what he did earlier. Uh, he, he looks great, man. Yeah, my, I mean, we talked about this a little bit before. Just Kings or the Heat are just not the team you want to see early in the playoffs, man. That, that, that could be a, a, a quick, you know, six-gamer. Uh, with mess, messing around with Spo and all those dogs they got on, on the perimeter and, and defensively, and then Bam is coming along offensively. You got Jimmy who mm-hmm. can take over playoff games, right? So uh, I don't think any of those teams want to play my play Miami early. That, that's funny because that means it's going to be funny because whoever gets the one seed, that's most likely going to see him in the second yeah, four, round. Yeah, so, fourth spot, right? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're the Nets or the Sixers, that's something you want to see in the second round. I mean, maybe people are saying, well, the Nets, you don't care who you want to see, but. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, I it, it, you think about the additions that they had. They added Avery Bradley, and they added, the, you know, they haven't really played him very much. But if he can get right, or if they can get him in the right situation, going right into that series or something like that before the season ends, he becomes a much more valuable player uh, against the a team like Harkless. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's yeah, Harkless too. Yeah. Point. I said just, yeah, just COVID kind of beat that team down. Then they got mm-hmm. injured on top of it. It was just a rough situation. So moving on, we 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 just we uh, talked about the trade deadline a, a little bit. Uh, earlier, but we're kind of looking at it from a Lakers standpoint. Looking at it, Lee, why now? Two big point guard names that have come up are, uh, you know, Alonzo Ball, last year of his contract. Pelicans aren't sure about the, the number he's going to, you know, fetch in the offseason. Talking about cashing in on him now with the value high and kind of, you know, getting what you can before you get out. Uh, then you got Kyle Lowry, older guy, still effective. Uh, Raptors aren't even close to contention. That's how they're playing. They hit, it looks like they're in another rough patch. Mm-hmm. So teams are definitely inquiring there. Um, what do you see for you know for those two guys? Who should be interested in them? You know, and try to make it a you know a, a legitimate you know feasible you know kind of kind of thing. Which teams do you think should be calling, and what should they be offering to to bring you know one of these two guys in? Lowry's a little tougher because his number is so high. Yeah. But, you know, Lonzo's at about 10, I think. But the, the contract year obviously is looming. But you do get his, his, his uh, restricted free agency rights. But what do you guys see? Start with uh, with you, Kings. What do you feel about, uh, you know, these two guys and getting a lot of trade chatter around them? I think, I mean, I think the Sixers are in position to actually contractually match Lowry's uh, contract to be able to trade for him if they want. Yeah, I saw to. that. I saw that. There's a way to get Yeah, so, so they're able to. Uh, but it comes down to a lot of people said that uh, – are teams willing to give up assets for Kyle Lowry at this point, yeah. knowing yeah. that he's an expiring? That's just not really likely for most teams. So, you know, a lot of people are trying to expect that the Raptors just buy him out because you're being real here. Most teams aren't going to try to to send an asset, and a lot of people are thinking the Raptors should just tank. Uh, there's some calls from Raptors people to that they should just shut it down. I saw – I see those. Yeah, so – so a lot of people are just in the mindset of calling the season. So if that's the case, you know, you might as well just eat Lowry's money at that point and do right by him like they say they want to do uh, in terms of Kyle Lowry. In terms of Lonzo, uh, it's trickier in the sense that 
there are teams that do need a point guard, but do those teams have assets for that the Pelicans would want? That's a different story. So, like, you know, I I do think a team like the Sixers, if they wanted to, could make a play a run at um at, at Lonzo, but I don't think they would want that in the sense that they are more comfortable with putting the ball in Ben Simmons' hands, obviously, right. and using Maxi and Shake as the scorers off the bench and then run, running offense through NB. So they're not going to do that. The Clippers need Lonzo, a Lonzo-type play, but what do they have to trade? That's the next thing. Are you willing to give up Pat Bev? Because that's what it would take at this point, honestly. That's your best asset. Are you willing to say, we'll give up Pat Bev and, you know, lean on Lonzo's better playmaking facilitation to get us over the hump? I'm in the camp that you should do that as a Clippers fan because Pat Bev, I guess, would fit more of the philosophy that the Pelicans want to use. And, and, you know, over there with, you know, with what Griffin's trying to do, I, I don't have a full idea of what Griffin wants to do. It, it, Nobody it, does. I've watched every game. Nobody <laughs> does. <laughs> Pat Bev seems like the type of guard he would want to get. So if you were offering Pat Bev, I think as the Clippers, you take that chance. But, yeah, outside of the Clippers, um, I mean, who else would be able to need a, a point guard? I think, what, the Bulls probably need a, a real facilitator. Well, from what yeah. I, I – I talked to a couple guys, you know, Warriors Twitter. They say the Warriors – Lonzo's a player that they would be interested in extending. So they'd actually give up something yeah. for him. So it depends. It's just a matter of making the who money match. Yeah, yes, who they, they give, give up? Yes, I'm saying I, I don't know who they give up, but just pairing a secondary creator who can shoot 40% from three, 30, 39% from three on high volume, it's like that fits with I Steph mean, like a glove pretty much. I mean, I guess you can give up, you know, like I said, I guess you can give up Kelly Oubre because, I mean um, – He's he's worked his way back up to being good. He's their like what their sec their second best uh, player now. Uh, not well, Draymond is, but in, in terms of impact. But Kelly Ray scoring at a high level now. He's the, he's defending. He's shooting a lot better. Uh, the, no, the Pelicans need wing def- wing defenders. That's they what to, 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 yeah, to me. Yeah. That was that was the most palatable trade. Yeah, They're not that's when moving pieces is an Ubre for Lonzo kind of kind of straight up. And yeah. then the Pelicans only have any only have one wing on their roster. Period. Who plays? Which is bi? The Warriors need a secondary creator who can shoot, you know, at a decent clip. So that fits it, and they and they'd be willing to pay Alonzo having his, you know, his his restricted free agency rights. So that to me, I'm with you. That seemed like the best. You know. Warrior fans gonna be okay yeah. with another clutch with another clutch client on their uh, in their starting <laughs> roster. I don't I don't think they care, man. Like I, yeah, I, 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 think, I don't think they care as, as long as it's productive. Like they, they got to maximize, you know, yeah. Curry's in the last you know, two, three, four years of his prime. So. If you can play, they're probably going to be yes, please come. <laughs> but go ahead, go, go ahead. The, the, the Hornets could actually use Lonzo too. Funny enough, that ball backcourt is actually something that makes sense. Uh, yeah, Devontae, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Devontae Graham is actually a player that the Pelicans actually need. They want, they want, they want a driver. They want a driver. I'll tell you that that, that fits too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, driver and a three point sh- uh, sh- a shot shooter. So uh, Devontae Graham is someone that the Pelicans would actually need to need on their team. They're trying to get Ronzo so Graham and the what well, first or, or you know what for 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 Lonzo if the part of the Hornets want to give up that first uh, and then extend Lonzo and have Lamelo I think that makes sense for both teams in, in that situation as well I mean you may not have to give up the first for Lonzo I don't know if Devontae Graham's enough though after this season but you, you know who else makes sense too I don't know if they'd be willing to pay because of, of the market they probably could use them last year which is Denver. Yeah, that, that mm-hmm. he's, a, he's an immediate upgrade at the one spot. You actually, you know, put slide Jamal Murray to the two. 
and he did, and Jokic and Murray do a lot of initiating anyway. And Lonzo can be that secondary creator slash spot up guy. I don't know how much they'd be willing to pay him going forward because you got a couple of pricey guys coming up. You know, MPJ is going to want some money, right? You got already got Murray on on a max, so I don't know how much they're going to be willing to to give up there. But I think he's I, there too. I'm not, man. I guess I might get killed for this. I'm just not high on MPJ, bro. Yes, <laughs> I think I think it just it looks I think it just looks bad now because they uh they kind of let Grant go or just were okay with not pushing the envelope on Grant even though he said he wanted to go anyway, but they didn't yeah. really push harder because, okay, we got MPJ at least, and the production just hasn't it, – it Grant's a better player right now. So, that, If that, you ask me, I would trade – I would just trade MPJ for Lonzo straight up. If you were to ask me, I feel like that – That is helps, spicy. That helps Denver so much more. That is spicy. That helps Denver so much more to have Lonzo, Gary Harris, or Barton with uh, Murray – Jermichael Green and Millsap at the four, and then Joe Kitch at back of five. That's just so much better for what the Nuggets like to do. If you were to ask me, I would do that. But that's 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 that, that's all so, I'm saying. I, I would do so, that. That's that. If you ask me, I would just I would call the Pelicans. I would say you want Michael MPJ, we want Lonzo, and I would do that trade tomorrow. That's ooh. me. That's me though. Go ahead, Renee. Ooh. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I, I don't know exactly what teams would be the best for it, but the way that I always see both of those, they're both point guards. They're both, like, floor generals, but they're floor generals in, like, different ways, right? Yeah. So, like, Kyle Lowry is a guy who understands the pace of the game. He has a very smart – he's very in tune with, like, the pace of the game. You know, is the other team going on a run? How do I disrupt that? He does all the, the scrappy stuff, grab the rebounds, push the pace. So it's just, like, a team that needs a guy that can – keep them settled when the coach isn't making any play calls and they're just letting them run is a team that needs to get a guy like Kyle Lowry. And I don't know if it's the Sixers necessarily because Doc is pretty active and stuff like that. And and what's it called? And I think they like Simmons in transition. So I don't know if it makes sense to give the ball to Lowry when Simmons is in transition, unless Simmons is going to be running the wings and, and stuff like that. So if you're a team that needs a guy who, can read the pace and the flow of the game and understand what needs to be done to change it. Lowry's the guy that you should be targeting. That's the team that should be targeting. Lonzo is, uh, I don't, I've never heard this term used, but this is one that I use. He's a positive feedback loop player, which, mm. which is ironic because he's actually the perfect guy for Pelicans, but I guess Pelicans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the, the Pelican. I, I know Pelicans Twitter has, you know, up and down feelings about Lonzo, but he gets the ball to the guys that are cooking every time. Yeah. And he always puts his guys in advantage positions. And, like, he'll give it to – I saw a play a couple games ago where he gave it to Zion in transition. Zion wasn't ready for it, but, you know, he had an advantage. Zion gives it back to Lonzo. Lonzo whips it right in the corner to Brandon Ingram, who has a plus match, you know, like an advantage matchup against whoever's, whoever's guarding him in the corner. And he gets an immediate bucket at the rim. Like, Lonzo is a guy where if you have scores like a quiet PG – uh, if you have Ingram and Zion, if you have guys, or or even like a Tatum and Jalen Brown, if you have That's guys that can score, he will find ways to get your guys good to great quality shots. The mm-hmm. only thing that was the knock on him is that when he's being left wide open, he's not hitting his threes. Well, he's hitting his threes now. So if you have guys now, uh, I think Kings's mention of Charlotte is great from a marketing standpoint, and I think it's mm-hmm. also great because Gordon Hayward can go and just be Gordon Hayward and, and LaMelo right. who can actually score, who can fill it up, but is still facilitating for all of his teammates and stuff like that. 
Lonzo is the guy who sets those guys up, and they can just run. He can he can run with Miles Bridges. He can run with PJ Washington. He can he can with Terry Rozier. He can set all these guys up. Anybody who's down on Lonzo, um, you put him next to two guys that are just flat out scores, and see what happens to your offense. The quality, the shot quality that your guys get, it, it goes up significantly. That's funny because that's funny because guess what? The number one offense in basketball is the last month and a half. It's Pelicans, and it would, be, it would literally be the best offense in NBA history. Even with you take out garbage time, they they have the best offense in NBA history the last <laughs> the last right. month and a half. Right, and yeah. I mean, as as the time we're recording this, they just blew out the, the Clippers, right? And the Clippers are supposed to be top to bottom one of the best teams in the league. Not you know everybody has a game, everybody has a game where they lose, but you 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 have to understand like what he does. It, it's not filling. It's like the Draymond thing, right? He doesn't fill up stat sheets the same way, like a traditional player does. But the small things he does in the game that makes it so much easier for everybody else. That's what Lonzo's good. Yeah, I think for. that's funny. Like, I think me and Kings have both said a different occasion. Like his 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 optimal ceiling is probably point guard Draymond. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. He, he may not be like the primary initiator, but he gets guys in the best spots. To make I mean, plays happen, so. that, that's why the Jason Kidd comparison is right. Jason Kidd, everywhere he went, Jason Kidd made it easier for everybody that was around him to 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 run the floor and play the game. And with the Nets, Kenya Martin wasn't like some super skilled guy; he was an athlete, right, getting yeah. up and down the floor. And he he takes it to the final. So, look, man, if if the if the Warriors can get Lonzo and all they got to give up is like Ubre and maybe like a late first, I would actually be genuinely concerned about how good that team is going to be when Clay comes back because you're now going to have two guys who are really, really good position, technical defenders at their position, and they know how to find the two best scorers on your team. Right. And both and, and both of those guys are off ball. Like, they could just run around screens. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that would be a disaster for any defense to try to match up with it. So I, that's, that's the way I look at them. I will say this with, with Lonzo. I think we all thought because he has the Jason Kidd intangibles, but let's, let's, let's be respectful. He's not a lead guard like Jason Kidd. Yeah, oh, yeah. for sure, for sure. Kidd. For Jason sure. Kidd had yeah. the handles yeah. to be – Jason Kidd had elite hand, ball handling ability to be a lead guard and set guys up while having the ball in his yeah, yeah. and uh, not uh, playing yeah. off others. That's what separates him and Alonzo, that ball handling ability to use your IQ and set guys up and break the defense down. That's what made Jason Kidd a Hall of Famer because he had all the Alonzo type intangibles and yep. then he had the ball handling to go with it. Right, yep. right. All right, on to uh, you know, King's ongoing battle with thirty five ventures Twitter. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, the war is back. I, we both said this. Uh, me and King's both have the same sentiment about the Nets. Like if they can just get their defense to be average, they they'll probably go to the finals. So every now and then, I think we all we all people all comment on the you know Kirk Goldsberry does uh you know every fifteen games he yep. does a heat check on the teams and. The Nets, they were every week they were thirtieth, 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 thirtieth in defense. Uh this one, they're up to twentieth in the last fifteen games. Um to me that was that was they they can be anywhere from fifteenth to twentieth. I think there's gonna be a hard time beating that team four games out of seven if they just have a you know, just an average defense. They're up. Uh Kings, do you think it's sustainable? Yeah, so I saw the last ten games, you know. Uh, Shao Bansky, but he was trying to I said, oh, the Mets are playing good defense now. He said, now? I was like, yes, fool, now. Because, been, you know, the last 10 games, y'all been 13th. That's like above average. It's not great, but it's like we said, if you're good enough, you know, that team's so good offensively, they will make the finals, but they were historically bad 
for most of the year. You know, shout out Bansky though, shout out, you know, thirty five B. But y'all was bad most of the year, but y'all playing, you know, y'all playing respectable defense now. Thirteenth defense rate in the last ten games. That's above average. That's why y'all are winning. You're winning because you're defending. Defense matters in basketball, y'all. When you're defending, you don't drop games. You win games. So that's why they're here. Now, is it sustainable? Um, I guess you just have to see, you know. I think teams got to adjust to the Bruce Brown thing. They got to adjust to Bruce Brown. They got to adjust to Nick Claxton. I think yeah, to that too. Yeah, this yeah. Is, this is the same situation you saw uh, when the Rockets went completely small and then their defense yep. got better. You have to adjust. It takes teams a while, especially because switching everything is like a playoff style of defense. Uh, when you know, because you force guys into ISO scoring, you force guys to have to to read the floor and see where the mismatches are. That's playoff style hoop. Uh, that's the one thing D'Antoni uh, does. That's kind of smart is that he he gets his team adjusted to playing playoff style hoop, style hoop defense. Yeah. But the thing is, their scheme, the way they scheme the help when you play has to switch. When you switch, you have to have great help. You have to have great communication. You have to have great tagging, uh, tagging off bodies and being able to constantly rotate. That's where D'Antoni's teams are not really good at. So, yeah, they can switch and make it an ISO battle. If you're not good at those things you can eat and you don't have good defenders, you can easily get scored on. That's why we, I don't know if you guys noticed, but when someone asked LeBron, you know, are you worried about – you know, the net switch defense, he said, man, they just switched to get to make you fall into their trap. He he literally didn't sound worried at all. Yeah. And then and if you look at the game, he had thirty two through three quarters. I mean, yeah, we lost because we didn't have Dennis and A D, but I mean the Nets could not stop him at all. So I feel pretty confident with the Lakers against Nets. I mean, they couldn't stop him at all. He had thirty two three quarters. He didn't even break a sweat when he was scoring that, honestly. You know what I mean? So it's like for me, is it sustainable? We'll see because it hasn't been for D'Antoni before. Um, the, I think the height of it we saw was in 2018 when he baited Kerr and White years into that battle and he almost got them out of there. Yep. But I'm not sure how much you can trust Claxton, who's young, and Bruce Brown. And also Bruce Brown's not going to play that much when KD gets back. Yeah, I was I'm thinking that sure. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how those minutes are going to work. I mean, one of my mutuals likes to troll the fact that how much better their defense got when KD was out. I'm not saying KD coming back is going to make it worse, but it is something to see. How does the defense look with KD there and they're switching everything, you know, with him coming off the injury? Like, it's stuff we have to see before we can say sustainable. It's working right now, but it worked right. It worked with the Rockets last year for a period of time when they committed to it. This is a playoff style defense. Teams are going to have to adjust to it. Like team, The thing with the Nets is that they do things that I the reason why I had them being so successful in the regular season is I knew they're gonna play a style of hoop that most teams just can't adapt to in the in the regular season because of the night to night teams aren't looking yeah, to counteract yeah, all yeah. these type yeah. of actions on uh, with the, what they do offensively. They're not trying to counteract all the switching on defensively. When you get to the playoffs and teams are honed in on that, completely different story. So I don't know. We have, my thing with the Nets we have to see. It's, they have the talent to do it. Can they do it? We just have to see. Like, that's just what it is. Go ahead, Vinay. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, it, it's – it's the, the other thing that we also started this – or, you know, we started this pod off talking about – when we were talking about the Lakers' defense was that they're playing so – like, their defense is so hardcore that it's affecting their shooting, too, at the same time, right? 
And one of the things that we're seeing, I thought we saw with the Nets is the way that we were saying that the Lakers, their defense is so good that it raises, it increases their margin of error. For the Nets, it's the opposite. Their offense is so good that their margin of error is super high because you have three world-class ISO scorers or whatever on that team. But what happens when the pace of the game that you normally get in the regular season where you're just Mm -hmm. blitzing every single – like you see Kyrie getting so many shots before the defense is even ready. Like he's just – you know, he's one of the – if not the best finisher, you know, under under the rim in in the game. What happens when you don't get that? What happens when they slow the game down to a point – where you're not getting transition buckets, right? Mm-hmm. And and you have to walk it up the court every single time. What happens when when the offense knows that um, you're going to switch everything? So now they're going to you know they're going to start mismatch hunting. They're going to try and find that one guy. Um, we saw this with the Clippers matchup. Uh, if you guys watched the Clippers Nets matchup, they were trying to the Clippers were deliberately trying to get Kyrie on Kawhi in that mid post area. Yeah, Kawhi was like, I mean, they're getting because um, they didn't want KD on him. And eventually, KD stopped switching it. Uh, but I mean, Kawhi was scoring every single time on Kyrie because it's just there's a size disadvantage and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. And so I was I was in Staples for that Nets game, right? We got our faces blown off because freaking Luau Cabarro decided to turn into like Ray Allen or something like that against us. But um, I was watching that game, so I was in person. And your observation uh, and what Bron's comments were, uh, Kings, your 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 comment, and then what Bron's comments, it was. I would agree with it, uh, I, or sorry, I do agree with it because if you watch Braun like in person, he was talking to the Nets bench. Like, so you, I, I think you guys are you messaged me, uh, Jay, that on the national broadcast there was something about Braun saying something to somebody on the Nets yeah, bench. Yeah. The guy he was talking to was Dan Tony because what <laughs> happened was Braun was getting to the rim so much against the Nets that the Nets were literally trying to like like football style block him from from any of his cuts or any of his post ups. So the, there was a play. Um, where Joe Harris tries to block it, like like uh, people can't see this because we're supplied, but like like a football block, and he is aggressive, and he and he hits Braun, so Braun just grabs him like like he's a rag doll, and just like swim moves him, just throws him to the side, gets to his spot, gets a layup off of a cut. So when Braun comes back on the court, D'Antoni gets up, and I don't know if they showed it on the broadcast, but D'Antoni got up and he was yapping at Braun, like he was mad that <laughs> what he did to Joe Harris, and so Braun looked Braun looked at, and you know Braun did this thing. I, it's funny. He's like acting like all innocent. He's like, all I did was swim with him. Like he's doing like his motion, his hand motion. Like all I did was swim with him. There's nothing. But the, the reason why I bring all that stuff up is I think he knows what he's, what kind of defense he's going to see. And this is obviously Lakers specific, but I think other teams are also going to see that. They're going to say that, okay, well the Nets best offensive lineup or best defensive strategy is just to switch everything. So let's just find the guys that are small guys or find the guys that are, you know, not technically sound defenders. KD, if he wants to be, is a great defender. He, We've seen him be engaged and be a great defender. But at the same time, do, does using his body, does, does the energy that he has to exert right. to stop yep. a guy like Kawhi, yep. does that take Off-ball out, take out his well. legs? Yeah. And, yeah. and look, we've seen it with Harden, right? When Harden has to defend and then late in the games or late in the playoffs, he's got to hit all those step-back threes, they don't fall for him. And so and every, every, and everything you just said is exactly why I'm, I'm, I'm hanging on by this by – this, by this, Thank you. I'm hanging on to my 76er pick, man. Embiid is out for three weeks. Please stay in shape, big fella. We know how you get. Please, <laughs> Please I, I, take I think, care of yourself. So I'm, I'm hanging on to my teams, Philly pick for by by a thread. I think I think the Bucks. I think any team that plays a 
a bruising, slowed down style of playoff offense is going to give them trouble. That's just my opinion. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm not. I don't know, but yeah, we, we, Miami, both, we, we we both made that kind of made yeah. that that kind of a connection. Who's going to give them trouble? That, yeah, we, I, I, I think that. Miami, the Bucks, and the Sixers are probably the three teams that probably play the anti-net style of basketball and can still yeah. impose yeah. their will because they have legit bigs that can you know just just win win the game in, in the paint and stuff like that. So. And, I'll and be we, curious to see. We use that apply pressure as well. Yeah. Jimmy Butler yeah. and Ben Simmons, you know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah, like you said, that 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 physicality, uh, mismatch hunting, finding the physical mismatch and, and doing it. Like, you know, Harden's a good post defender. Is he good in space? No, not really. Yeah. Let's, let's be honest. No, he's not good in space. So when you get Harden in space and he has to dance on the perimeter, can you, as a, as a guard, can you take him off the dribble and go to the rim? Yeah, you most likely can't. So I'm just saying, like you said, it's KD. He's great, you know, one on one, great, and you know, what I'm saying, on the outside, on the perimeter, great defender. Uh, when you get him in the post though against a bigger body, not as not that's not ideal for him. Also, off ball, uh, yeah, they get KD's is prone to ball watching off ball and getting beat on back doors because he's not, you know, he wants to he still wants to use his energy for on ball you know, defending and also for offensive movement. Yeah. So he's not as active off ball. These type of little things get hyper-exploited in the playoff series. Again, I'm not saying the Nets are going to exactly lose at this point because they look very good. They can easily, you know, you know, beat every team and look great. But I think a lot of people – the thing is, a lot of people look at the regular season stuff and they overlook that these little things matter. Because I've seen so many people say, oh, the Nets are going to run – the gauntlet they're going to run through the east, and they say they're the closest thing through the um, they're the closest thing through the to the Warriors, a 17 Warriors team. I think you have people forget that that Warriors team was already a title team before KD got there, and and they ran the guy. And even then, when they played the Spurs, the Spurs were up 20 when Kawhi was there before he got hurt. They were going to win that game. That series with Kawhi might look a whole lot different. You know, winning game one as high as they do. And Kawhi being there the whole series, so they were going. They could have been challenged. And you know what I'm saying? If Kyle Korver hits that three, you know that's wide open from LeBron. You know what I'm saying? That's a whole different finals as well with mm-hmm. the Cavs. So it's not like teams can't be pushed if you know you get the right you know mismatches, you get the right coaching advantages and all that. So people need to slow down because playoff hoop is different. Like I tell everybody, every team has been challenged. Every team, no matter how good, has always been challenged at in, at some point in their run. But in their own conference, mm-hmm. not even the finals, in their own conference, they have been challenged. So I think people need to relax a bit. And, and, and yes, they're a great team. If you want to say that they're a great team, cool. But people are jumping to all-time labels. And, and, hey, if you want to, go ahead. Like I said, we'll see. Somebody gonna get put on the summer jam game. So we'll <laughs> I'm ten toes down. They're ten toes down. So we'll see. We'll see. You and you and Biggs, man. Must see TV. But last thing before we get out of here, these Phoenix Suns, man, the unreal season up to number two in the West. Monty, Chris Paul got those boys balling. Booker's developing. Aiden's developing. Mikael Bridges, Jay Crowder. Um, Phoenix is the team that I think the Clippers, after the Lakers, obviously want to avoid the most in the second round as far as looking at matchups go. They don't want to play that team. You're talking about size, defense. You got Booker who can close. Chris Paul's experience. 
um, standing to legitimate contender to to you two. You want me to go first, Kings? You go ahead, Benet. Go ahead. You can start with you. Yeah, you uh, go ahead. I think I'm not sure if I'm ready to put a contender label on on the Suns only because, and there's only one reason why. It's because they have a lot of guys that haven't been there before. Uh, that's they, a great, <laughs> great point. And that's the only reason why I, I Monty uh, is a great coach. Chris Paul, like LeBron, he defies age. His, his counting stats never mean anything because you just see how much he affects the game, how much he makes everybody good. Crowder, he, he's long in the tooth. He's definitely got experience. But the guys like the the DeAndre Ayton, Devin Booker, Michael Bridges. Um, uh, Cam Johnson, that yeah. they play Dario Saric. A lot of these guys don't have those kind of playoff reps. And look, I'll be honest, this young generation of, of basketball players, some of them don't even give an F, man. Like they, they, they'll, That's the biggest thing. What, they, yeah, what, 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 yeah. what they say, too, too stupid to know what it means. I could be completely wrong, and they may not feel the pressure, and they'll, they'll just start running through teams and stuff like that in the first, second round or whatever. But that's the only thing that's kind of holding me back from this kind of – you always see a team like that that's a little young, um, that hasn't been through those high-stakes situations. You kind of – at least for the first year, you'll see them kind of fall. Um, can, can, can Chris Paul carry them through that? Maybe. Um, you know, but it, that's the only thing I have against them. So I would say that they're definitely a team where if the chips – like if, the, if, if everything lines up well for them, they have the right matchups and stuff, they get hot or whatever – they could definitely go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, because like right, yeah, because right now they pretty much set up to play. They'll play the six seed, and then they'll play the Lakers in the second round. Right now, I think yeah. that's that's not something they want to do. In, in my opinion, that's not a that's not a great matchup one with a, with a locked in Brian and AD. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my only grab against yeah. them. I, I love them. I love their team. I love I love the way they play. I wrote for somebody else that you should watch out for the Suns because Chris Paul is that good. And he fixes all those small things like Kyle Lowry does when it comes to pace and stuff like that with, with the game. So um, I want to see them be successful, man. I, I like Devin Booker, man. He's he's a really good player. He hasn't gotten his respect uh, around the league because you can't carry a bad a team that's being run by a bad owner. So, so I said, as soon as the owner got out the way and let James Jones do his yeah. thing, the whole culture changed. But, yeah, that's my, my opinion. Just a little young, but, you know, it, they could definitely make him run. Yeah. Kings. Your boys, yeah. you said you said yeah. four seed before the season, but you were high on them though. You were super high on them. Yeah, I said they, they could, I said they could be a top three seed too. I, I had them, yeah, yeah. You know, the dark horse contender. I didn't imagine they were going to be number two halfway through through the NBA season. That was that's big. They were just two seed overall through the throughout the season at the at the midway point. I I, I didn't even see that much, but um, you know, shout out to Valley Boys. Uh, I was saying, you know, they had the ingredients. This is people who know who know the ingredients, man. You know, when when they added Chris Paul, you had the dynamic big DeAndre Aiden with the with the athletic size. You had the pure three level scoring wing score in Devin Booker, who is athletic, who has good size, who can get twenty six, twenty seven night. And they had then they who else did they add? They added the floor general. The guy who can get three levels for him, but who can also get guys the ball where they want it, where they need it. Because when you look at Phoenix, the reason why they're so good, um, obviously Devin Booker is doing his thing. He's playing better defense. He's the best player. Uh, Chris Paul is super impactful 
that he has just as much impact on those sons as Devin Booker, even though Devin Booker, I would say, is the better player. Chris Paul still is impactful. Why? Because he enhances two guys specifically that are putting them over the top. That's Bridges and Cam Johnson. They're two yep. wings, dynamic wings. Chris Paul has made their life so much easier. Eight and two. Eight so and, much two. and eight and two. They're getting so much better looks than they have ever gotten. Like, people are talking about, well, Cam Johnson and Bridges aren't the players last year that they are this year. That's why Booker can take them to the playoffs uh, last year like this year. I'm like, yeah, they're not the player because Chris Paul wasn't there. It was Ricky Rubio. I mean, I love Ricky Rubio, but he's not Chris Paul. You know, when Chris Paul comes to town and you have those guys who are naturally getting better, now everything just gets enhanced. Right. Because we have all-time floor general with developing players. Now their development gets, you know, sped up you know, by tenfold because he's getting these guys what they need to get early, getting in the positions where they need to be in practice, showing them in the film room where they need to be, and now they're a lot more ready in these games and they're getting the ball from a, some of the best who ever do it. He's getting the ball where they need to get it. So that's taking this team over the top because those two guys are playing great at the wing spots. And then, like I said, they had the ingredients, the three-headed monster. They have the guy who walks, socks it down inside, wing score in the floor general. And another very, very underrated piece, they have a mismatch, small ball five. Dario Saric is physical. Yeah. Yeah. He can shoot the three. He can play make. And he can get a bucket if he has a mismatch. And Jay Crowder is, is still playing good, but he hasn't even played to the level where he can play. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of just good ingredients. So that's why I'm like, if you knew basketball and you knew the skills of the players that are on the team and the talent that they had, the only concern that you would have, like Benet said, was experience. They haven't been there before yeah. for a lot of these guys. So that's the only question mark that they have. But talent, uh, you know, do they have the ingredients to be a contender? That was there. If you knew basketball, you knew it was there. You, you just had to, you know, you just had to see if the experience would from Chris Paul would rub off and they would be able to put it all together. But the, the, they, the skill was always there. They, they've got that recipe, right? Like we, we talked about Lowry and then we talked about Lonzo and now we're talking about Chris Paul. These are all guys that improve the shot quality of the scorers that are on your team. And mm-hmm. Chris Paul was perfect for that. He knows who the two guys are that are going to score on that team and who the three and D guys are. And he's going to get the best shot quality. It's not yeah. just about threes and layups. It's about getting the best shot uh, available. For, for the guys that are on the floor. And that that's his impact right there, man, just, yeah. just spreading that knowledge. Yeah, that was crazy to me that the market for Chris Paul wasn't wasn't larger. I think it's because he kind of was nicked up at the end of that uh, the end of that OKC Houston series. But, yeah, he's been pretty ridiculous, man. It's everywhere he goes, it's like, oh, we're going to the playoffs at least. That's, that's ridiculous to have mm-hmm. on your resume, man, especially in the Western Conference. That is, uh, that is nuts. I, too, I'm with you guys. They have all the ingredients. They just need to cook longer, right? No experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, ooh, this truly was a temple of hoop tonight. We have basketball church up in here, man. Good job. Yeah, <laughs> anyway, y- y'all, you guys can follow uh, Vinay on Twitter, VKillum. It's Kings, bruh, for Kings. And myself, JJ Maples 55 at underscore MST. We appreciate you guys tapping in. Hit that follow and subscribe button. Give us feedback. We respond yes, to everything. Sir. We appreciate you guys. And we are out of here. Yes, sir. Peace. 
Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.